was there. And we could not find this kid. The bad thing was that we actually were not playing hide and seek. <laughs> and the parent was looking for the child. I panicked. A youth pastor, the last thing you want to do is lose a kid. Um, and uh, we were panicking, we were looking everywhere, and what it was is this child was going to be emigrating, the parents were, the family was emigrating, and this was their last time at the church, and it was the very last day of our holiday club. And uh, so to avoid life's problems, avoid the situation, I am leaving church. So he locked himself in the smallest cupboard, bent arm, twist around, just hiding there, because then if I don't get found... I don't have to face what's really going on. Don't we sometimes treat life like that? If only I can, and how many times I've said this year, if only I had an island. If only I could be this. If only I could stay away from this. If only, and we almost want to hide ourselves from the fear and the anxiety and so many things that may be going on. We want to avoid it. We want to run away from it. We want to just, just stay away. Well, Israel is about to go in, and we're going to be turning to Isaiah chapter 43. And what has happened is Israel is at a place where they're about to face exile. They're going to face incredible suffering. And yet we have this book, which is an incredible prophecy of what God is going to do. He's redeeming love. Facing the suffering, facing the being scattered among the nations. Losing that place of just really trying to be the witness of God because of this sin. And yet God rescues. They want to be probably in a place of hiding. They want to avoid what is really going on. And they want to do that. So let's read. We're going to pick up from verse 1. Uh, I'm reading from the ESV today. And it says this, But now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, and you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you go through the rivers, they will not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned, and the flames will not, set you, uh, will not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I gave Egypt as your ransom. Crush and Seba in exchange for you, because you are precious in my eyes and honored. I love you. I gave men in return for you, peoples for exchange for your life. Fear not, for I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east and from the west. I will gather you. I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, do not withhold my sons from afar and your daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made, I will bring out all the people who are blind yet have eyes, who are deaf yet have ears. All the nations will gather together and all the peoples assemble. Among them they can declare this and show the former things. I will bring up their witness to prove them right and to let them hear and say it is true. You are my witness, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen. And you know and believe me, understand that I am he. Before me no God was formed, nor shall there be any after me. I am the Lord. 
And besides me, there is no Savior. I declare and saved and proclaimed when there was no, uh, that there was no strange God among you. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and I am God. Also henceforth, I am he. There is none who can deliver from my hand. I work, and who can turn it back? Father God, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for who you are. And we just want to praise you in your name. Amen. I love this verse, and I've preached a number of times from this, from this chapter, uh, particularly a text that got me through matric, not having studied much. My parents are watching a lot. Um, and I never forget this, and it says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Isn't that incredible? Anyone ever taken a swim in a river and try to go, okay, I'm going to go across this side and land up that side? Almost impossible to go in a straight line across the river. You get to a place also where you go through, it says when you go through the rivers, they'll not overwhelm you. This, this expression of this water kind of being so, this turbulence and just feeling so overwhelmed, feeling almost to the point of drowning, yet it will not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. Now when I've done this and spoken through this passage with uh, preteens, I've often had to say to them, this, this does not mean that you can go play with fire now. Yeah. But it means that what seems to destroy, what seems to consume, you'll not be consumed. Are you in a place this morning where you're feeling so overwhelmed? Feels like you're going to drown? Are you in a place where you're hiding because you feel that everything is just getting consumed around you and you just can't go on? You can't get through this. Maybe there's that a place where you're at. A place where just the pressure is on you and you just seem like it's just coming from all sides. And the expression here is almost the, the Israelites at the, the Red Sea with the Egyptians coming behind them and this pressure that's there and they've got to get across. They've got to make it through and yet God brings that. Or the River Jordan that dries up on the one side so the Israelites can go into the Promised Land. Conquer. Or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fire with the Lord not being consumed. This is what God is saying. So we're in hiding. Well, he goes and says this, fear not. And this is a, a clear thing. He says, fear not. Well, why don't we have to fear? Well, because of who he says you are. Because of who he says you are. If you go through this, this passage, almost as highlights and see how many times you see the statement, you, 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 you. This text is incredible. It's not because of who we are, but because of who he says we are. So what, who are we? Well, firstly, you're created. Formed by him. Verses 1. He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel. Verse 7, whom I created for my glory, I formed and made. Now I know that some kids are accidents. But no child is a mistake. You know, when God made you, he didn't go, oops, how did that one go by? Well, just let it be. But that God has made you. David, knowing this, you knitted me in my mother's womb. 
the involvement that God has made in your life. You're not here by accident, you're here by purpose. For God has created you. He has made you. Do we realize that? And He hasn't just created, as He created everything by speech, speaking things into being. Oh man, I would have loved to have been there. But He has formed you. This formed is involvement. There's work that's taken place. There's the knitting together. It's the potter that is shaping the clay that's there. Isn't that incredible that God has been involved in shaping and making you? Forming you? You're not a mistake. God has made you. We fear not. Why? Because he says we are called by his name. By name, sorry. We are called by name. Verse 1. I have called you by name. Now this is a complete, incredible miracle. Uh, I uh, had the privilege of of spending some time with a a famous Baptist pastor called uh, Dr. Rex Matthew. Now everyone knew Dr. Rex Matthew. And I was like, Dr. Rex, how do you know everyone's name? He says, I don't. I just call everyone but. (laughs) How's it but? How are you? (laughs) But God knows your name. Now, if anyone ever has chickens and sheep, one of the worst mistakes you can make is giving it a name. You don't name what you're going to eat. God has given you a name. Isn't that incredible? God calls you by name. He knows your name. He doesn't go, hey, number, so-and-so, ID number, as our medical aides do. But he knows your name. Isn't that intimate? He knows you and he says, hey, Uncle Rob, Arnold. You know, he knows those names. He knows your name. How incredible is that, that he calls us by our names. That very character. There's intimacy that takes place there. goes on, we fear not, for we belong. It says in verse 1, you are mine. If you ever want to know what a preschooler owns, he'll tell you. It's mine. You ever heard that? You can't play with this. It's mine. It's mine. Why? It's precious. I want it. I've got it. I have it. Well, God is saying, you don't belong to anyone else. You're not just wandering everywhere else. You're mine. You belong to me. Isn't that incredible? We try to spend our lives trying to fit in, trying to belong somewhere. Well, you've already belonged somewhere. You're a child of the Most High God. You're His. That's who you you are. You belong to Him. You are His. Incredible. He goes on to say that we fear not for you are precious. Verse 4. Because you are precious in my eyes and honored. Incredible, isn't it? God's created us and formed us, but you're also precious. Isn't it like I've created and formed some stuff? I can show you some of my artwork. Some of my grade 9 work, you would have thought I was in grade 1. It was abstract. Okay. But it's beautiful. 
and it's precious. It's it's treasured. It's like my mother had had uh, cutlery and uh, cups and all that was never to be used because it was for the day that the queen came. I said, Mom, have you invited her? You know, you didn't touch that. You know, it's why? Because it was precious. You are precious, he says, in my eyes. Isn't that beautiful? goes on to say that you are redeemed. Verses 1, fear not for I have redeemed you. Verse 3, he tells us that he is our Savior. Incredible. You are redeemed. Well, context of this, if you go to chapter 42 and you see verses 1 through to 8, it's talking about Christ. Yeah. It's talking about Christ and it's the prophecy that's coming. It's the Old Testament gospel. Uh, really that comes through here just seeing what Christ is going to do how God is going to restore his people and it's not just Israel how he's going to build up his church how he's going to build up those who are called by his name he's going to build them through and it's this redeeming love that is coming through we're redeemed see the Israelites had sinned they'd gone into a place and, and so have we we've sinned where we messed up We've, we've blown it. Be it God causing us His Savior. The only one who is able to save. He redeems us through His Son dying on the cross. Now, I, uh, my car broke down the other day with, with Hannah and Sarah for the uh, so many a time I can't even remember. I've got the tow truck company's number on my phone now. And I uh, thought, no, this is enough. And, and so... We were blessed and managed to, to buy another car. And, uh, and now I'm looking to sell my car. And so you want to try to get the best that you can from the car. And you realize that kind of make of car, I go and look in and I get the, the, the trading values and this because I, I need to, to convince a salesman that they need to pay me a lot more than what is really worth. And so you see these values and then you start funnying around. And the value of that kind of car is far less than the trading values. So what is the car really worth? Is it worth the trading values? No. It's worth what somebody is willing to pay for it. If God has redeemed us, what are you worth? Well, what was somebody willing to pay for you? For God so loved the world that he sent his only son. He paid with his very life. He didn't wait for us to get to a place of fixing our own sin and trying to get to this place and, and try to be just one day of being holy, one day of getting it right, one day of doing this. He didn't wait on us. He died for us. He is our Savior. So those who are called by His name, that believe in Him, we are redeemed. Isn't that incredible? goes on to say in verse 4 that you are loved. We love, why? Because He first loved us. The God who knows every thought, He knows everything we've done, 
He knows who we are. He knows how many times we've betrayed someone, how many times we've sometimes messed up, how many times we've failed, yet loves us. He loves you. Isn't that incredible? goes on, verse 10. You are chosen. It says, you are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant in whom I have chosen. God's chosen you. Isn't that wonderful? So we can stop our passage here and we can feel so good. Man, look at what God says about me. Man, this is incredible because this is what God is saying. And we can leave it there. But this is not the purpose of the text. God is saying we don't have to fire, we don't have to hide, we don't have to run, we fear not because this is who you are. But there's so much more. See, we fear not because of who He is. It's about Him. I don't know if you've ever heard about the cat and dog theology. A cat says, you look after me, you feed me, you protect me, you provide me shelters, I must be a God. Where the dog is completely opposite. You look after me, you feed me, you shelter me, you must be a God. And we can kind of end with this theology and saying, well, look at what God's done. Look how great I am. Or we can realize, because God has done this, He must be God. And so we fear not because of who He is. Well, who does He say He is? He is the Creator, verses 1 to 7. God who made all, who was before all, is the very Creator. And we see how creation responds to Him. Have you ever watched the sunset to be mesmerized? Go to the sea and ocean and just watch those waves crashing against the rocks, shouting, our God is great, our God is great. Those mountains that just roll into the distance. He's the creator, the one who made that. He's ever-present, verses 2. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. He's there. He's everywhere. You can go to Boxburg, Brackpan, all those bees, Benoni, and he's there. He's ever-present. Verses 3, 11 and 13, He's our Redeemer. He's the one who's redeemed. He's the one who sent His Son. He's the one who's done this. He's the Holy One, verse 3. God is holy. In Him there is no sin. This is so important because God is holy means that God cannot lie. Do you realize that? He's the Holy One. The one who could have just brought judgment complete. Knowing that there was a consequence for sin. And there was a sacrifice made by Him. He is the Holy One. He is the truth. Verse 10. That you may know and believe me and understand that I am He. In Him we find no lie. In Him we find our truth. Isn't that what we're trying to find today? Trying to seek and find what is true with, with so much going on. What is, what is real? What is true? Well, He is truth. And verse 10 and verse 12 turns around and says, He alone is God. 
Before me no God was formed, nor shall there be any after me. I am God. He is Lord. He is King of Kings. There is no one greater than Him. No one more awesome than Him. So what should our response be to this? If we realize who God says we are, and if we realize who God is, well, what should our response be? And we see a little bit later on in the text from verse 22, our first response is to call out to Him. Verse 22 says, Yet you did not call upon me, O Jacob, but you have been weary of me, O Israel. It's to call to Him, realizing God is, and there's no one greater than Him. There's no one else we should be turning to. There's no one else who can save us but Him. And our response should be, God, we need you right now. I need you. How often are we running around trying to hide and fix things? Trying to hide and avoid things. Trying to stay away, but God is there. He's with us. He knows us. Nothing's catching Him by surprise. We can't hide from Him. So our response should be, God, right now, I need you. Are we living life in such a way that is echoing and saying, God, right now, I need you. I need to walk with you. I love the imagery of kids and when we go in the scariest moments or just want to spend time. You know, Dad, can I go with you? Dad, can I be with you? Can I walk with you? Dad, can I hold your hand? Dad, can I? Shouldn't that be our response? God, this is who you say I am. This is God. This is who you are. God, I need you. I want to be with you. Calling out to him. Secondly, we need to live our lives for him. goes on in verse 33. It says, You have not, been brought, uh, you have not brought me your sheep uh, for burnt, burnt offerings or honored me with your sacrifices. Have I, have I not burdened you with offerings or weird you uh, with frankincense? But yet you have not bought me sweet cane with money or satisfied me with the fat of your sacrifices. But you have burdened me with your sins and you have wearied me with your iniquities. See, if God, if God is who he is, if God has done what he's done, surely our response should be, God, I want to live my life for you. God, I want to do things for you. God, it's about you. God, I just want to become less. God, I want to do this. And the problem here, the Israelites had turned to other gods. The Israelites had turned to false idols. And sometimes don't we do that? Instead of realizing and calling out to God, instead of realizing He is God, don't we put other little things more important and in place become our rescues? And don't we sometimes live for those things? I live for my career because I find my identity in my career. I live for this because I find comfort in this. But if he is who he is and he says who we are, our response is to be with him, living for him. God, my identity is in you. I find who I am in you. God, I need to live for you because I'm actually called to glorify your name. I'm to become less, to live for you. So are we living our lives for Him? 
Realizing who he is. And lastly, we need to witness for him. First, jump back in back to verse 10. And, and the sense here from verse 8 onwards is almost this courtroom where those who are following other foreign gods are brought forward and the Israelites are to witness that God is the true God. He is the one and only, the all-powerful. That's what they are to do. To testify of His name, of His redeeming love, or we are called to witness for Him. To have an answer to the hope that we have. To go out and say, do you know my God? Because this is who He is. 1 Peter 2 verse 9 says this, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may, why? That you may declare the praises of Him who has called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. Isn't that incredible? We fear not because of who God is and who He's made us. We fear not. We don't have to hide. We don't have to be ashamed. We don't have to do that because God has done something so incredibly beautiful. But rather we testify of His wonderful glory. We testify of His name. And we do that through calling out to Him, God, I need you. God, I live for you. And God, I want to witness for you. Be used by you. So what am I trying to say this morning? Well, we can run through life's challenges because we cannot hide from a loving God who saves. Isn't that incredible? We can't hide from Him. But we can run through life's challenges because we cannot hide from a loving God who saves. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for who you are. We pray, Lord, that as this has gotten murky, as many different things to try to find our identity, to try to find who we are and try to fit into so many things. But yet you tell us who we are. And it's not because of what we've done. It's not being in us, but because of who you are. And so, Lord, we are not meant to shrink. We're not meant to be fearful. We're not meant to be so worried about this, uh, this being overcome and consumed and, and so much. Why? Because we know you. Because you go with us. Because you rescued us. And so, Lord, we pray that we would live for you. That instead of being little, that we would shine for you. Instead of being fearful, we may be confident. That we may share and continuously testify of your great glory, of your great name. For you alone are God. And we thank you that we can know you. Pray this in your precious name. Amen.